Well, hello. This is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. This podcast recorded Tuesday, January 25th. Yeah, January 25th. It's easy to lose track of the dates in this weird era. 2022. As always, my mind is kind of on the state of this strange country that I live in, how it could be better, where it's at currently, and you know what. And then I try to think of possible ways to, uh, I don't know, help people drift away from a certain dark path. fascism kind of entered our country a few years ago. It was invited in. It was kind of an unabashed, unapologetic, uh, pretty in-your-face form of fascism. It was just fascism in the 21st century and in the United States of America. So it doesn't look exactly the same as other fascist countries from the past. But that is what Trumpism represented and the uh, revelations about the drafted executive order uh, that was even referencing very, you know, secret privileged information in the said executive order that was going to, through force, take voting machines and stuff. Real blatant dictator type stuff. Um, Republican Party, as of now, is still sticking with Trump. There's still candidates that they're endorsing that are running on a platform of Trump won the election uh, when he lost and because he lost he, he was going to attempt to commit fraud and to try to hold on to power through force yeah and that is what he did um, me stating that doesn't mean that I'm a member of an organization nope sorry uh, that is what he did what letter is next to his name is, it certainly doesn't look good for that organization. You know, any organization picking him to be their leader is certainly reflects pretty poorly on that organization, whatever organization that may be. Uh, the one that finally did it, the one that finally pulled the trigger, if you will, was the Republican Party. But Donald Trump had run as a Democrat, a Reformed Party, and no one had ever taken him seriously, as no one ever should. You know, he's he's an absurd, ridiculous person who doesn't really stand for much of anything. But at this current time, he is still what the Republican Party is sort of leaning pretty heavily on. Uh, there's a large contingency, a, a vocal minority, albeit, but nonetheless a pretty sizable group of people who enthusiastically love Donald John Trump, famous con man from the 80s. Bankruptor of companies, had a cameo in Home Alone 2, frequent guest of Howard's, of the Howard Stern Show, appeared at a couple of WWE events, bankrupted six different companies, cheated on all three of his wives, one of them, his third wife, who was also the former first lady, he cheated on her with a porn star and a Playboy centerfold, then he paid a bunch of money to the to the porn star uh, to so that she wouldn't say anything about their affair. Um, that was as at the beginning of his campaign. He used campaign finance money to um, give money to the porn star so she would stay quiet. 
but the uh, called a non-disclosure agreement. Trump is, uh, has a bunch of those with all kinds of people and stuff. Uh, he's real big on people staying loyal to him as well, but he's willing to, uh, you know, sever ties with them pretty quickly. Um, just kind of a, you know, it sucks because it, it's still going on. We're like five years into it, and there's still like millions of you know, se seemingly decent people that are attaching their character to a, a rotten person. You know, a, a person who's famous for being bad. You know, that that's what he was famous for. He was famous for being a screw-up, bankruptor of companies, cheating on his wives, being racist, sexist, and stupid, and just kind of a whore for publicity. And then in the early 2000s, he became the host of a game show. He ran the presidency as one would expect that type of person who is solely focused on power, you know, money and power, you know, his time as president of the United States is exactly what one would expect, you know, lots of golfing, lots of tweeting, lots of watching Fox News, lots of airing out of grievances, very little to any professional behavior, very little to any rising to the, you know, stature of the job more of a kind of a leaving a stain on that job that's going to last for decades. It, it's going to be, it's hard to take the president of the United States of America seriously anymore. You know, that's the same post Donald Trump had. He's the guy that hosted The Apprentice. And prior to that, he had bankrupted his sixth company and U.S. banks had stopped lending him money. He had kind of, he was a has-been. And then the producer of the show, The Survi Survivor, a, a real hit game show, reality, TV, whatever, but game show. It's a, a different format of the game show. Uh, he was producing a new game show, and he wanted it to be business-themed, and what better guy to host than Donald Trump? Nobody else wanted to host it. That was a, any respectable business person, and Donald Trump had nothing going on at the time, so he was ripe for the job. Just one of those characters that just kind of got rewarded for being bad. And so it just, you know, certainly empowered him to continue doing that, to continue doing bad things. He just continued to get rewarded. It appears now that we're at the beginnings of the beginnings of the beginnings of the end of the Donald Trump show that's been on the air for over 40 years now, uh, the entirety of my life. Donald John Trump has been on TV. I'll be 42 next month. The first time Donald Trump ran for president's president, I was in elementary school. He uh, ran as a reformed party candidate, and he lost the uh, nomination to Pat Buchanan. Later, he ran as a Democrat, but no one bought him as a Democrat. He's a wealthy asshole, but and it was obvious why he was running as a Democrat. The Democrat, democracy. So, you know, if you're going to try to appeal to the everyday man as the wealthy billionaire guy, what better way than the Democratic Party? But in the beginning of the Barack Obama era, a couple of billionaires by the name of the Koch brothers um, funded this campaign called the Tea Party Movement. And, and they were able to convince, convince a wide spread group of working class folks that identify as being conservative, watch a lot of Fox News and stuff like that, 
they were able to convince those people to be like anti-healthcare as a right. And they were able to think that, they were able to convince people that if we had hospitals and schools and stuff, it means we would be socialists. And that if we uh, taxed the wealthy, it would be death taxes and stuff. And Sarah Palin was a big, like, advocate for, like, not taxing the wealthy because that would be socialism or, or something. You know, uh, and they were able to convince a lot of working class folks to fight against taxes on the wealthy so that we could have health care as a right. And they were able to, like, kind of muddle and confuse the debate and then really water down the goal of universal health care as a right so that we ended up with something that was slightly better than what we had before, but obviously not ideal, and Barack Obama acknowledged that at the time. It was just a, a, a toenail in the door, because the you know, Republican Party is most focused on preserving the republic. What they define as the republic is the way of life of the wealthy. So in other words, their primary focus is protecting the interests of the wealthy. And most specifically, the very specific wealthy people who have given their organization massive amounts of money, you know, because it's not even all wealthy people that vote Republican. And so that's kind of where Donald Trump probably realized that his future as a legit candidate was probably more in the Republican Party because they were starting to go a little extreme. They were able to convince a pretty huge portion of working class folks to basically vote for, um, you know, tax cuts for the wealthy and corporations, and then the cutting of funding to health care and education and infrastructure. Millions of working class people voted for that. Yeah. Now, the, the Republican pundits and the Republican candidates phrased it differently, obviously. You know, it was a lot of fear. If, if you vote, if you don't vote for us, then the other side is going to make you socialist and stuff. And there's going to be death panels and all this kind of very scary stuff. You know, socialism is scary. I mean, no one wants socialism. Either, even the people that are like me, who are very pro health care as a right and education as a right, and even like a basic stipend of some kind based off of economic activity, you know, a freedom dividend, if you will. I'm very pro all that stuff, very anti-socialism. Because socialism is a system where everything is publicly funded, so everyone makes the exact same amount of money. That would be very dumb. It doesn't work in a democratic society. But what we have to understand as a society is that is where we're at. We are presented two options. One of the options really just shouldn't really be presented as a legit option to a working class person. Uh, the media needs to start doing better at presenting more options to self-described working class conservatives uh, because the Republican Party is not an organization that represents the interest of working class people, regardless of what their political orientation is or religion or ethnicity or whatever, you know. Cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations does not benefit working class people, period. It, it just doesn't. Trickle-down economics is a myth. It was first started back in the 80s. What it did is it created the beginnings of the wealth gap, inflation, stagnating economy and such. You know, you have to invest in the foundation. The people doing all the work have to, you know, be able to stay healthy. And, and that requires adequate pay, 
access to health care, and access to education so that they can, you know, start pursuing maybe more prosperous ventures, you know, later on, a, a more fulfilling career. I mean, really, the Republican Party's nomination of Donald John Trump back in 2016 was revealing in a lot, a lot, a lot of ways. How far is the Republican Party willing to go in order to achieve their primary objectives? And how and how aware are they also that their primary agenda is not that popular? So they, they kind of knew that they were going to have to start reaching, start going a little bit more extreme to to try and find votes because cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations is just not appealing. In fact, most working class people that vote Republican are going to give you a long list of other reasons why they vote Republican and probably none of them are going to have to do with I want to make sure wealthy people get more money. I doubt there's a single working class person who voted Republican hoping that they would cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. But that's the first thing they got to in 2017. So I think one of the reasons the Republican Party is very anti-healthcare is right, education is right, investing in infrastructure, all things that can help improve the quality of life for working class people, thereby kind of leveling the playing field. You know, you still got to work and get it, but probably it may make it more difficult to stay atop a lofty position doing nothing. You know, if there's wealth taxes, marginal taxes, stuff like that, and then investing in the working class. If you're someone like Donald John Trump and you're born into extravagant wealth and you do nothing, well, probably even in a new system, you, you still wouldn't have to ever do nothing. If you inherit $400 million, you never have to work. We all know that, okay. and, and that's a fact. You do not have to work. That is a fact. <laughs> uh, $400 million, you can easily annuitize that and pay yourself. I gave you an example the other day when actually the number I said was way too low. I said something like a million a year or something. You could go way more than that. You, know, you could easily pay yourself you know, uh, $10 million a year, you know, and it would easily never run out. You could pay yourself a million a month. They can invest a huge portion of it in annuity, a little bit in uh, some real estate where you have, you know, a place to live. You just buy it outright. It can be a pretty fancy house. It doesn't matter. And then a million a month coming to you in an annuity that will just never run out. When you die, you can just leave it to your descendants. Uh yeah, and inheriting a, a crap ton of money is one of the, you know, golden parachutes options there is in life for some people. You know, they just get born into a certain level to where they don't have to work. They will never have to work. If they want to, they can, and they can pretty much just work in whatever they want, whatever they feel like doing, they can just do. It's an un you know, it's obviously a great level of power. That's with $400 million, That's the amount that Donald John Trump inherited from his father. Donald John Trump did not just borrow a million. No, he, already, he was already a millionaire by the time he was eight or nine years old because of the trust fund that his father created for him. So, no, he's, he's not self-made. He, he's just a person that inherited a crap ton of money. And then he used it to promote fame 
and then to try to get more power and money. Uh, didn't really do anything good with it. He, he pretended to do good stuff here and there, like he created a foundation and then used the money's foundation to buy paintings of himself and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, and so the New York Attorney General told the Trump Foundation to cease and desist because they're not a real philanthropic organization. They were just pretending to be one so that they can get certain tax benefits. Trump Organization has also been engaged in tax fraud and insurance fraud for several years. And um, Trump's also involved in uh, tampering with voting officials, you know, uh, harassing voting officials and stuff like that, attempting to, um, yeah, to uh, basically attempting to engage in fraud in an election. And then the specific case going right now is in Georgia. And that's the one that's, you know, the phone call was already played on the news a few times. That's where Trump is calling an election official in Georgia and basically saying the specific number he lost by, that's the number that needs to be thrown out. What evidence? None. Does he have that the evidence that the votes were fraudulent? It's just the exact number that he lost by. He wanted an election official to throw out. The call was recorded and it was played on the news. Did Fox News play it? Probably not. Revelations about the uh, executive order that Trump drafted where he was going to have voting machines taken through force using the military and such. A very dictator type move. That news was revealed over the last couple days. Tucker Carlson and Fox News were talking about M&Ms. Literally. That's what he was talking about. Getting all hot and bothered about M&Ms. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy that he was telling all his supporters to vote for was a pondering the idea of making an executive order to use the military to seize voting machines. Yeah. So Tucker Carlson was going to talk about M&Ms instead. That was just too much for him to deal with. Tucker Carlson is a very weak person. He gets paid a lot of money to spread propaganda and hatred and division. And uh, he's very good at it. But he's a TV personality. Okay? That's his job. To rally up. To stir you up so that you keep voting Republican. And Rupert Murdoch pays Tucker Carlson a shit ton of money to do that. It's called selling your soul. Yeah. It's where you're willing to have no ethics, no morals at all, and are willing to promote violence and hatred and greed and basically the seven deadly sins and to get people to convince people to do really stupid things all for your own personal monetary benefit. The other two people on that lineup, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity. Again, they peop they're people that know what Trump was doing was wrong, but they get paid a lot of money to say something different. A lot of money. And again, what that's called is selling your soul. Yeah, they're TV personalities. They're not journalists, okay? There are people, though, that know that what Donald Trump was doing was wrong. Even while they were trying to communicate with Trump to kind of, in some way, to try to stop what he was doing, they were texting to him directly. Now, none of them have acknowledged this on the air. that They indeed were texting with members of Trump's team directly during the January 6th riots to try to can tell him to tell his you know supporters to stop but he wouldn't do it for several hours he didn't do anything 
He was watching with glee on TV. So instead, Tucker Carlson's going to talk about M&Ms. Maybe Sean Hannity will talk about Dr. Seuss books. Laura Ingram will talk about LeBron James having a political view. And then we'll say some racist thing about pro athletes should just play sports and not be allowed to speak their mind. Well, fuck you, Laura Ingram. Okay? <laughs> we are human beings, you know, and we're allowed, and this is a free country. Whatever your job is, I, I build fences. That doesn't mean that's all I'm allowed to talk about. In fact, I have no desire to talk about building fences. That's just what I do for a job. Uh, what I enjoy talking about is other stuff. Totally unrelated to my actual job. You know, and in fact, most people, um, you know, that I've met in life, the things they're most passionate about, things they really love to do, they're really what they do for a living. You know, LeBron James is one of those people that's a passionate human being. He's passionate about basketball, but he's passionate about life. You know, he's a passionate human being, you know. So, yes, he's he's amazing at basketball, and that's what kind of brought him into the limelight, but... He's been focused on a lot of other stuff for a long time, and he's he's in a long line of people, advocates who were also who were really good athletes, but yes, who spoke their mind on a wide variety of subjects beyond just how fun it is to play the sport they're in. You know, they are human beings; they're not property. You know, sometimes they're viewed as such. Like when people get all fired up about a player wanting to get traded or wanting out of the place that they're playing. Like, that's a human being, like, being, like, by contract, being forced to live somewhere, and they're kind of, like, done with it. You know, maybe it's just the place, maybe it's just the team. They just want to do a different environment. Why not? <laughs> you know, if you've got an employee that's just ready to move on and, and, you know, no hard feelings, just let them move on. Find an adequate replacement. I think any time a pro athlete wants to get traded, she'll have to get them traded. Or some sort of sign and tra- you know something you know, like they don't want to play for you anymore, they, you know they they don't want to be your employee anymore. So you're gonna have to let them go. You're gonna have to part ways. No, you're ours. We own you, man. You will perform for us. It's weird, but uh, Brown James is a good dude. He's not just a good basketball player. He's also built schools and stuff. He's done way more good than Donald Trump has and. LeBron James is not even 40 years old yet, you know, and he's only, quote-unquote, a basketball player, but, you know, he's got a lot more to offer this world than Donald Trump, you know, so, it's just a a weird state, because that's what Fox News is, you know, they're a propaganda station, their job is to convince you, a working-class person, that the Republican Party is awesome, you know. And they really swung for the fences on the, <laughs> a few years ago. And they're doubling, they've been doubling down ever since, you know. Kind of missing, mixing my analogies there. Did a baseball analogy and then uh, a poker analogy. Or whatever, but gambling analogy. But I would say it's like, I don't know, it's like, yeah, they hit one out of the park on the first pitch. And now they've just been striking out. Every single time, just hoping to hit one out again. But it's like, we know that's what they're trying to do. I gotta work on that analogy. Anyway, it's, um, they went too far. 
you know, the organization did pick Donald John Trump. And, and I think more of the any other candidate that's not running as Republican has to lean into that and then also offer better solutions. Look, this is what they are. They're the organization of Donald John Trump. Tax cuts for the wealthy, tax cuts for corporations, cutting funding of infrastructure investment. How does it benefit you, the working class person? You know, how does it indeed? Here's what I'm for. Healthcare is right, meaning we directly fund hospitals. Directly fund hospitals. How do health insurance companies stay profitable? They probably don't. Some of them will. They're able to differentiate their product. But companies that just charge you hundreds of dollars a month to just pay a portion of your hospital bill when you're no longer going to be getting hospital bills, yeah, that company's going to come become completely irrelevant pretty quickly. Yeah, because a lot of people are going to be canceling their health insurance policies. Some will keep them, and that, that, that company is going to appreciate it kindly if people will just continue to send them hundreds of dollars a month that they're not going to ever have to pay them back. You know, just kind of a, a 0% loan that never has to be paid back to the insurance company. You know, so if you want to keep doing that, you certainly can when, when health care is just funded directly, meaning we have the appropriate number of hospitals and health care clinics to take care of our population. It's one of the reasons, or it should be one of the reasons we take a census. We know where everyone, have a general idea of what the, you know, where the people are, you know, pretty good idea, really. So... That gives us a pretty good idea of the number of hospitals and healthcare professionals we need in the area to take care of the people. So that when people get sick, they can go to those places and get healed. So, again, it's one of the benefits of the Trump era. Trump is really stupid. You know, he's, he's a very unprepared, lazy, incompetent person. And he viewed things with that type of mind. So... In order to kind of dumb down the how do we make healthcare as a right thing, well, let's dumb it down a bit. We already collect taxes and such. So let's make sure those monies are going directly to hospitals and healthcare clinics to make sure that hospitals are adequately staffed and funded to take care of people who live in this country or, or humans, human beings who are in the United States right now, you know. Who need health care let's make sure they can get it when they need it pretty basic same with education and the other thing to keep in mind is that we already have publicly funded health care and education so doing that more robustly just means that it doesn't mean that we're embracing socialism or something stupid like that no just health care as a right meaning directly funding hospitals and health care clinics appropriately staffing healthcare professionals and all that kind of thing. Education, same thing. We have a, many, many, many publicly funded schools, publicly funded universities around the country. That continues just more robustly. If you want to go to one of those schools, publicly funded university, apply. Accept, if you're accepted, then start going. You have to pay for it. No. Your books? No. The books that are required for your class? No, why would you have to pay for those? Yeah, no, so that's covered. So now you still got to go to class and earn your degree, okay? You, public education doesn't mean that people are just handed bachelor's degrees automatically. Public education does also include skills training. So yes, a higher, more, bigger percentage, 
of the American population would be healthy, educated, and skilled, which is why the Republican Party is against it. You know, many of the people that they're protecting, you know, were simply born into their position. And so they're kind of worried that they'll lose their status if they have to actually, like, compete in some way down the line, you know. They're kind of hoping they can just, for generation after generation after generation, preserve their position without really having to do anything, you know. And so, so they're kind of worried that if some of the excess from their estates gets invested directly in the working class, then the working class might start working their way up. We might have a more bell curve of distribution. You know, the wealthy might not be as far out on their own little islands and stuff. You know, there might not be as much of a separation between the wealthy and everyone else. And they don't like that. Well, not all of them. Some of them are perfectly fine intermingling with the common folk. But many of them are not, including Donald Trump himself. It's funny how he was pretending to. You know, he was more than happy to, like, bark at them and, and talk at them on stage for an hour. But he certainly didn't want to, like, hang out with them and go out in the crowd and shake their hands. It's funny that I've never really seen a single video of that. It's probably because it never happened. Him actually mingling with the people, the real people. Not Mar-a-Lago people, but like Flint, Michigan people or something. You know, there's, there's not, I, I haven't really seen any video of that. All the video of him at campaigns is him on stage in front of a podium, adoring fans behind him and in front of him. The adoring fans behind him, there's going to be strategically placed black people with blacks for Trump shirts and there's probably every black person that's in the crowd is actually going to be on stage right behind him to give the perception that he's a very has a diverse following he doesn't you know and not all people are the same so just because he has a few people here and there in the crowd who are not white it, it doesn't mean that he has a diverse following you know it's predominantly white people predominantly people watching a whole lot of fox news listening to info wars watching the oan network etc etc you know just kind of being inundated with conservative media constantly which tends to be pretty negative pretty like you know our country is going to collapse if we have health care and it's socialism and all that. It's very like fear. It's, they're going to steal your guns and stuff and whatever, all kinds of rhetoric all over the place. And the main, as long as you vote Republican, then that's, that's the main thing. So there, there's, you know, all kinds of different subgenres of the conservative media sector, if you will. The kind of caters to different segments of the working class population to kind of find different ways to manipulate them to convince them to vote Republican. Because they're, and then the main way like mainstream media participates in all this is going along with the bipartisan thing. You know, it's bipartisanship. And they're kind of also helping preserve the status quo in their own way. CNN and MSNBC and all the corporate news participates in this. You know, they kind of go along with it. You know, Democrats, Republicans, and that's it. Why are other options not presented? It's unclear. You know, why does it matter how much funding one has over the other? These organizations exist. Why can't news just talk about what is available? Talk, give, present us the information. Why do you have to tell us that 
narrow it down to the two options for us. Why, why can't we choose for ourselves? You know, but it's still presented as a two-horse race. This or that. Neither one is all that great, but one is really just not an option. You know, the Republican Party is just, they picked Donald Trump. You know, it, Texas Republicans voted to ban abortion as a medical procedure just completely outright and offered bounties on people if they try to get it and stuff it, there's, and offered no solutions. It's just a weird, draconian, whatever your thoughts are on abortion and stuff, it's just the government meddling in that one and their way of kind of handling people's discomfort with that procedure just uh, didn't really solve any problems. Create, it's going to just create more problems and that's, that's going to be, that's a situation because the whole thing with pro-life, well, okay, yet what about those lives? Do you even care <laughs> that you're forcing to enter this world? I don't. But that's what the Republican Party's doing. So, you know, we don't have health care as a right or education as a right. They're also voting to restrict voting access. You know, they know that their message is not very popular. So, you know, they have to just make it more difficult for people to vote. The more people that vote, the less likely it is that Republicans stay in power because, you know, they're the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy, and most people in this country are not wealthy. And even if they work really hard and save, they're not going to get to the type of wealth that, you know, is in the top rungs of the socioeconomic ladder. Even if you become a millionaire by the time you're retiring, you're, you're probably not in that uber-wealthy class. You're not in the wealth tax group. You're not in the marginal tax group, and you're not in the estate tax group. If your net worth is only a million in 20, 30 years... Yeah, you're no nowhere near the group that would be paying those those three exclusive taxes, marginal, state, and wealth. That's a very tiny, tiny, tiny group of people paying those, and it's only the portion above massive amounts, an extreme excess, you know, amounts that are like more than what some towns have for their annual budget, you know, to run various operating expenses. It's what an individual person got in a year from capital gains on some venture that they started years ago and hired a bunch of other people to do all the work. And it's the work of those people that help generate the growth of that company. It's not 100% because of this person. You know, Microsoft isn't a multi-billion dollar company 100% because of Bill Gates. Really even, be, you know, at this point even 50% because of Bill Gates. He has real little to do with it now. You know, kind of created the initial thing, started thinking, and then there's it's people, tons and tons and tons of people, you know. So ideally, people working for those entities are doing well, you know. It seems like some, some corporations treat their employees pretty well, but a lot don't, you know. A lot of them treat them like, well, just property, an expense that you want to keep as low as possible and not really worry about whether or not that expense is an actual living, breathing human being that has to use the money to, well, re replenish energy expended to do the job. There's costs involved with working a job, you know. You have to replenish the energy expense. You have to get to work. That costs money. And what is your time worth, you know, in your own mind? We should have a certain minimum of what what we say a person is the bare minimum you you must pay a person if they're going to provide work for you 
especially as a for-profit entity, you know. What if the job is really easy? Who gives a shit? McDonald's is a multi-billion dollar company, therefore they should be able to afford to pay its employees a reasonable wage. When they don't do that, where do you think the employees go to get assistance? Yeah, the, the, the public, publicly funded food stamps and stuff like that. How many multi-billion dollar corporations who pay their CEOs mil millions of dollars a year have employees on food stamps? That, that's not right, you know. I don't care how easy the job is. That's not the point. How easy is the CEO job? Pretty fucking easy, you know. Put a suit on every day. Meet in meetings. Talk on the phone. The company's performance goes down. It may or may not mean you lose your job. You just got to show up. You know, it's like any other job. Is it infinitely you know, harder than the person flipping burgers? Not necessarily. It's just a job. It just has a different uniform. You wear a different costume. I've worn similar costumes for jobs. I was a financial advisor. I had to wear a suit and tie every day. Now my uniform is, uh, you know, work boots and uh, Dickie's pants and shirt, you know, just more work clothes. That's my work clothes now. But for a few years, it was wearing a suit and tie. It's just a different type of work. You know, the CEO... Yeah, I get it. They're using more of their mind or something. But yeah, it, it's meeting with people, talking on the phone, meetings, talking on the phone, meetings, talking on the phone, creating ports, talking on the phone, meetings, talking with people, interviews, you know, business lunches, business dinners, flying. Yeah, real strenuous. I get it. Yeah, so they they have to get paid twenty five million a year to do that, or else uh, how, who would want it? Who would want that job? Wearing a suit every day, going to meetings, talking to people, talking on the phone, working on your computer, giving presentations, all while wearing a suit, occasionally having to go into flights and stuff and have business lunches and business dinners. Yeah, I know, that sounds extremely difficult. And the only way you can attract talent to do such a job is to pay them $25 million a year. And the CEO of that company, they're going to have employees that are going to be doing all the work, and they're going to get paid seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah, and and we're going to be real demeaning to, towards those people and say that, you know, if they want more, they, they, they should just, they got to just work harder or something. <laughs> or this is the rite of passage. If you're anywhere from 16 to 19, that's just what you got to do. You got to get one of those shit, you know, fast food jobs working for a multi-billion dollar company, and you need to just be happy with it and shut up, you know, and just do it. It's stupid. And I was one of those people that had to do it, but I, I don't really buy into that, like, why, this is what I had to do, so you have to do it too. No. I think it was, I thought it was dumb at the time, and I think it's just even stupider now, this sort of rite of passage of having to work at Jack in the Box, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, whatever, whatever big fast food place. Why couldn't it be that the, you know, all the local fast food places in your town were all locally owned, one-of-a-kind places? Where the employees made not seven twenty-five an hour, but you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen an hour plus tips. The prices of the place were slightly more than McDonald's, Jack, but ten times tastier and better. I've been to all kinds of places like that. They exist. Yeah, you can easily afford to pay your employees twelve, thirteen dollars an hour. Yes, even if you're a McDonald's. Oh yeah, very easily. 
it's a profitable company. That's why they can pay their CEO $25 million a year. Yeah, by reducing that CEO's salary by just 20-30%, certainly elevates the uh, pay of the employees. But that's the main thing. The corporation doesn't give a shit about those employees. They're simply expenses. And the goal is to keep those expenses as low as possible so that it can increase shareholder value and pay out nice bonuses to the execs. That's a corporation's purpose. McDonald's doesn't care about you. It doesn't make quality food. It's not a place you should ever eat. It's not even really food. Stop eating at McDonald's, Jack in the Box, Wendy's, all that. And this goes for myself. I'm guilty of it myself. I live on an island that has none of these places. So invariably, whenever I do get off island, I hit up at least one of them. Never McDonald's. I, I have I finally rid myself of McDonald's years ago and because I ordered a quarter pounder once and they put mayonnaise on that shit. Fucking disgusting. I don't know what, what happened there. I don't know how they fuck, they fuck up a quarter pounder. Uh, three pickles, slivered onions, ketchup, mustard, and then, uh, you know, four to one, 20, or, uh, yeah, four to one meat on the slice of cheese in, in between. You know, that, that's how you do it. You know, I made probably several thousand of them in my year at McDonald's, you know, back when I was 18, 19 years old. There's no reason to ever fuck that up and put fucking mayonnaise on it. Fucking gross. Ah. Do that. I never want to do that again. And then, uh, but it's more and more, it's like, it's such a sludge. I think when it's like I, I never eat it and then I eat it once, it's like, oh man, I, I need like a day to really like get rid of it, work it through the system. Cause it, it's not really, it's not something you should eat often and anything you should not eat often. You kind of wonder, well, should I ever eat it? You know, like, um, but they're big and they got a lot of money. And so they will pay people who are famous and stuff to say, eat at McDonald's. <laughs> I'd like to think I'd have the resolve to not do that. But I, I understand what people do, you know, that like promote McDonald's, knowing that it's fucking horrible for you. And the corporation is a multi-billion dollar company that treats its employee cooking all that food for you like shit, you know. Well, they're young and inexperienced, so we don't have to pay them anything, even though they're helping us earn profits. And the Republican Party, conservative media and all that, they, they all participate in this. They all help this narrative perpetuate, you know, that, like, corporations shouldn't have to pay their people a reasonable wage. And we should be gleeful about uh, and continue to shop at corporations and give them more power while they use that power to just benefit a very tiny group of people and not the very people helping that corporation thrive. And then at the very same time, kind of being like anti-union and kind of like trying to discourage that kind of stuff because they want to make sure that the corporation is can forecast revenues very efficiently and keep expenses as low as possible. Uh, you don't want unpredictability. You have a union. Uh-oh, what if your workers stop working? Well, then productivity goes to zero. And the value of your company starts dropping pretty massively, pretty quickly. Yeah, because you're not doing anything. Yeah, you, you are reliant on your your that expense called the employee. They stop working. Well, then are you going to start working then? 
owner of McDonald's, you're gonna, you all, all these shareholders gonna start clocking in, cooking the burgers. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all ten thousand or whatever of each fast food locations, fast food employees, just all of them, all collectively, just didn't show up to work. Kind of like an instantaneous unionizing all at once. Every single fast food worker across America, I mean, there's probably tens of thousands of them, that would be pretty powerful. That would be a dramatic uh, effect on the corporate control. Every single fast food location across America, not a single employee of any of them showed up to work. Whoa. That, that would that would be something yeah it would be the kind of the modern day version of the boycott bus boycott you know millions of people mostly young people a lot of minorities not showing up to their job at McDonald's Jack and Box Wendy's Burger King whatever all of them you know of course there would have to be some coordination to help make sure that if you know those corporations just they, they, I mean, yeah, they would, they would just try to replace people quickly, and there, there would be, there would probably be this like mass, probably even like hiring bonuses and stuff to try to incentivize new people, and they would probably just try to discard a bunch of them real quick. The kind of shit the corporations would do if such a thing actually happened, it would be interesting to see how they would behave, because the corporations obviously aren't the ones behaving; it's the people running them, the executives. You know, shareholders would start getting nervous pretty quickly if none of the employees of the company they own showed up to work. You know, tens of thousands of them. And then at the same time, if they're all like collectively saying, none of us are going to work and we're going to, you know, bar entrance to all these locations around the country until we are treated fairly. Yeah. What then? Do the Republican pundits just get back to work, <laughs> or whatever? Is that is that going to be the response? Is that we're gonna they're gonna tell all the people cooking your food for you, just get back to work? You don't deserve to get paid well. Now make me a meal that I will eat. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't think that'd be wise. I think we need to start respecting people that cook food for us, and uh, we put it in our bellies. And digest it and stuff you know maybe treat those people with a little bit of respect I, I get you think it's easy you know it's just easy to flip burgers at McDonald's therefore you don't need to treat that person with respect they don't need to earn a living they're only 18 you know why, why do they need to have enough money to pay their rent you know they should just live with their parents or something or <laughs> whatever it is I, I don't know um, this sort of weird justification of allowing for-profit massive companies to not pay their employees a fair wage there's not really an excuse for it but Republican Party is one of these organizations that really fights for it and they do it under this guise of like trying to protect small business and stuff and it's it's all BS okay if you're the owner of a company paying yourself a salary of say 300 grand a year if you can't afford to pay your employees 15 an hour Okay, then you need to take a pay cut. Okay, you're paying yourself too much money. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because $15 an hour is like 30 grand a year. I think it is. What is it? It's like 32 a year. It's not anything too exciting. It's like 20 grand less than the median income. 
It's a pretty, pretty basic wage. And in certain parts of the country, it's sub-minimum. Yeah, so if you're trying to pay yourself, owner, 300 grand, you, ne you need to cut that. Or, <laughs> yeah, you, you need to do more of the work yourself. Yeah, because you clearly can't afford or are unwilling to cut back on your own personal expenses in order to get quality employment. So, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. If you're going to have someone do the work for you, you got to pay them. And you should have to pay them a fair wage. Yeah, and fair wage should have something to do with what it costs to live in the area and also what it costs to replenish the energy burnt doing the specific job, getting to the job, you know. Vigorous manual labor requires a pretty intense amount of calories and also conditioning and stuff to kind of stay limber and ready to go for, you know, my personal perspective, doing labor work for the last few years. And I think with uh, financial advising stuff like that, it's just kind of the mental toll, mental exhaustion, the traveling you know, drive time and stuff. There's just certain, like, costs being crude. Just, just the job itself costs money, you know. And I think a lot of uh, fast food places and stuff, they've been getting able to weigh with basically not even replenishing an employee's true cost, you know, their cost, what, what they're kind of sacrificing, you know, the, their cost to get to work. The cost of their time, you know, they're devoting time to this place. You're, they're helping you earn a profit, you know. Their time has a certain value. They could be doing other stuff, you know. And then the energy, of course, that they spend, they got to replenish that. They got to get food in their belly, and they got to live nearby. And then they got to get to work from that place that's nearby. All of that costs money. So if they're living nearby, what does it cost to live nearby? And what are you paying them? And if they get some sort of communal arrangement, is that still plausible with the amount that you're paying them? If it isn't, well, then you, you probably need to bump them up a bit. Otherwise, you're not really respecting that employee and don't really view them as having true value in helping your company generate profit. But that's how most corporations think. They don't really view the employee as having true value. They just view employees an expense and they want to keep that as minimal as possible so me being more of a leftist I certainly view the more of the empowering type of philosophy empower you know give people a sturdy foundation to build off of you know and the foundation is just the foundation you know you provide health care is right education is right basic stipend stuff like that there's going to be plenty of people that are going to use that to their advantage and get regular checkups, you know, get things checked out when early, go get an education, get a degree, another degree, and really get after it. You know, they're going to use their good health and education to achieve even more than they probably would have if education, if, you know, a college degree wasn't really an option, or at least maybe not an early option or something. For some people, it's... Paying for college just isn't an option. And then the the uncertainty of if you can pay back the cost, you know, it's a big uncertainty. So I like the idea of investing in things that empower the working class. It, that doesn't make things easy. It just eases some of the stress. If healthcare is right, it means 
There's plenty of hospitals and healthcare clinics to take care of people when they're sick. You also have fire departments, police departments, stuff like that. There's still things to protect people, you know. They get sick or injured or whatever, you, yeah, go get healed. Then there's schools where people want to get more education. I have a bachelor's in marketing. I've always wanted to finish my management degree. This is just two more classes, and then I'd have a second bachelor's. And I always thought it would be good to go and get my master's. But I don't have the money for that. And that's really it. That, that's it. That's the only reason I haven't gone. And I don't want to borrow any more money or, you know, anything like that. I might be pursuing scholarships and stuff like that eventually, but hopefully someday. But, yeah, getting earning a degree... Being allowed to earn a degree, where you still have to pass all your classes and study and you know spend quite a bit of time doing the thing, you have to pay for that privilege. But going to school in and of itself is a job. It's a job that you have to pay to do, though. Which is very strange, you know. We have to fix that. <laughs> we have to allow more of our, our people to achieve their best self, you know. Which, again is why the Republican Party is against health care as a right, education as a right, universal basic income, those kind of things, marginal tax, wealth tax, state tax. It levels the playing field. Level the playing field does not mean everyone play, makes the same amount of money. It just means the level, the playing field is level. There was the NFL playoffs this past weekend. All those teams played on a level playing field. When I played rugby, we always played on a level playing field, except for one field that did actually literally have a slight slope to the corner. It's actually our, my home field when I played for the Vancouver Sharks. It seemed like a slight, kind of a little ditch almost through part of it. Yeah, but it, it was just on that one side, so something, you know, each team had to kind of take a turn running up the hill. Because we would kind of take turns. But generally speaking, you know, when teams compete and stuff, it's on a level playing field. One of the other matches I played in rugby was in sevens against a, my teammates were a bunch of ragtag dudes that hadn't really played much, and we were playing Old Puget Sound Beach, which is a, a heavily sponsored club where some of the guys had played on the national stage and such. Needless to say, they kicked their ass, but the field was level, you know, and both teams played within the rules. You know, we had each team had seven players on the field. They were just better than us. You know? uh, so level playing field does not mean socialism. Everyone makes the same amount of money. It's just everyone is allowed to compete, and that's not what it is now. Certain people are just given certain advantages and also certain like different sets of rules for them, and then while others have just far more stresses and anxieties put on them, um, you know, kind of pushing them down. So you just need to eliminate those. Strive for better. So I think uh, optimistic and hopeful this Tuesday morning in January. But this year keeps improving. I think we dodged a bullet with the 2020 election. But it's, uh, you know, it's not, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Um, it seems like we are winding down from the Trump era. I think we are in the final stages, so I hope it does finally end here soon. Um, I was burnt out on the Trump shit show back in the late 1990s as I was graduating high school when he got his sixth bankruptcy and 
so it was just nice that he was finally going to be gone, you know, he's he, he's finally over. He was just so tired of hearing about him. And then uh and then he came back. You know, he's a fucking producer of a game show, revived his career and then he became a political candidate and then he actually became president of the United States. That actually happened, I guess. It's part of me that doesn't even really it, it just can't really b- fully accept that that actually happened. It's just so surreal and weird. Especially when I meet people face to face, then you know they're like legit, good, decent people, and unabashed trumpet people. Like st- still in 2022, it's just like what? How did that? I don't, I don't get it. But I think it's, I, I, I think it's it's winding down. You know, I think the amount of evidence, it's just it, it's got to get to a there will get to a tipping point. It's just it's. And I think Fox News knows that. That's why Tucker Carlson is talking about M&Ms. While the news about Trump's executive order to seize voting machines that thankfully never got actually made but was drafted uh, was just not covered. That's not something that uh, Tucker Carlson has, you know, the backbone to deal with. He's a TV personality, and his job is to convince you to vote Republican. So if talking about M&M's somehow convinces you to vote Republican, then he's going to talk about M&M's for an hour if he has to. Yeah. Laura Ingram, too. Maybe she'll just talk about LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick for an hour. And uh, say some stuff that's really not so subtle racism, you know, like shut up and put dribble and all that kind of stuff, you know. Sean Hannity, what is he going to talk about? Who knows? <laughs> that guy's even further out there. He's the stupidest of the bunch. Just, uh... Ugh, God, I, can't, I don't understand how people watch those three all, all the time. They've got the pretty massive following, but people just got to turn that stuff off for a while. Get out and breathe a little bit. Maybe get out into the woods and just just disconnect from that Fox News, Infowars, conservative media crap. Um and then look into some different information sources. Oh, I think that's going to do it. Stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.